riverreporter.com. And from listener donations at wjffradio.org. Welcome to the local edition news and information keeping you connected in the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Jason Dole, and uh, we're continuing with our week of year in review. Looking back at the year that was here on the final week of the local edition for 2022. We'll be back next week in 2023. Coming up, we'll have the year uh, that was and maybe some latest news for the economy and jobs. It's Work Shift Live with James B. Huntington coming up next. But first, it's where we always start on a Wednesday evening with our local news roundup with the River Reporter newspaper. Liam Mayo joining us once again. Liam, welcome back to the program. Hi, Jason. Thanks for having me back. You know, you're a reporter. You've been looking at the news. So I want to ask you about the year that was. And you've kind of decided to to take it, uh, you know, essentially geographically in our area that, that, that you and I cover and then kind of like focus on themes for those areas. So first up is the, the New York side of the river. Then we'll have the river. Then we'll have the PA side of the river. So what's up? What when you look back at New York in 2022, what are you thinking of? Yeah. So in New York, one of the things we were looking at in 2022 was healthcare. Uh, there were a couple of big healthcare stories throughout the year with some services coming into Sullivan County that hadn't been there previously and with some services sort of reducing their presence. On the more sort of negative side, um, there were both the statewide Department of Health and the hospital system Garnet Health uh, tried to pull a few resources out of Sullivan County in 2023. Uh, the Sullivan County Department or the Sullivan County branch of the Department of Health um, got pulled um, to Middletown. And the original plan was to have all of its resources go to Middletown in Orange County. Um, and uh, sort of local representatives sort of pushed back against that. And the Department of Health eventually worked out a deal to uh, have a limited office still present in the county at Sullivan County's um, Liberty Complex. Um, so they did end up leaving some of their resources there. Uh, for Garnet Health, uh, there was a conversation sort of in the middle of the year where it requested a temporary closure of its coronary care unit or critical care unit, either way, CCU, um, that provides sort of specialized care for patients with severe heart problems. Uh, they were trying to temporarily close their one in uh, their Harris campus, which was the only CCU in Sullivan County, uh, mostly for financial reasons. Um, I think the system as a whole is struggling a little bit financially and is trying to figure out how to right that ship. Um, and there was the same sort of cycle of local pushback and the statewide department of health told them they couldn't do that. Um, so they didn't do that. And then later in the year, they announced a couple of other shifts, um, including uh, cutting their outpatient pediatric and OBGYN practices in Middletown and Monticello. Uh, so that's the sort of more negative news. On the more positive side, uh, there were a couple of new opioid 
um, resources that came into the county in 2022. Uh, Bridge Back to Life um, is like a new mobile treatment unit that is going around in the county. Uh, it provides, I think, like counseling and very direct access to services for people who are struggling. Um, and uh, this fall, there was an opening of a methadone treatment center from the Lexington Center for Recovery in Monticello. So a bit of a mixed year for healthcare in the county. Think uh, about this too. That was one of those issues. It seemed like I kept hearing about struggles, uh, to provide healthcare services in the foothills of Catskills and Solomon County in the Hudson Valley coming off of this massive pandemic where, you know, everybody sat around talking about, my God, look at how important public health is. Look at how important it is to have a health infrastructure in place to serve the public. Uh, it seems like the, these hospitals and healthcare providers are struggling just to keep providing care, whether it's public health or these private companies that are running hospitals. Exactly. Um, and sort of two things I wanted to pick up on that. I know at least for Garnet Health, one of the things they talked about when they were talking about their financial struggles is the pandemic didn't exactly treat hospitals very well. I think with the way they had to shift their services for the pandemic, and I'm sort of going off of memory for this, so it may not be entirely accurate to Garnet Health, but I think it was a broader trend that the more elective surgeries that often produce more revenue for the county or for the hospitals ended up getting cut. So the pandemic sort of made it more important to have these hospitals, but it also made it a little harder for them to operate. Um, And the other thing was just, it's really good that you brought up the veterans care too. That was a really important one that I think ended up with the same sort of local pushback leading to it staying where it is, if I'm remembering that correctly. And it's just weird to me because it's weird to see this trend of fewer services or services sort of struggling in the Hudson Valley area and in the Sullivan County area when these service, when these areas are kind of booming, when there are more and more people coming to these areas. So I, I don't know if there's like a disconnect there between people's or between hospitals and services plans for the region and between like the actual growth that they're experiencing. Because you think now would be the time we need to be investing more yeah. in bringing these services to Sullivan County, not sort of cutting back. Yeah. And, and again, we're talking about a county in New York State that ranks uh, last or next to last in annual health rankings, uh, typically year in, year out. It's kind of a perennial spot for us. Um, but moving along, because uh, time's getting away from us, as you look back at the year that was right along the Delaware River corridor, what are you looking at? Yeah, there were two sort of major stories along the Delaware River in that we were following in 2020. Um, there's a project in place to repair the Delaware Aqueduct, which brings water from the Upper Delaware to New York City um, after a couple of other stops along the way. I think the Delaware Aqueduct specifically is a small part of that larger aqueduct system. Um, and the Delaware Aqueduct part of that is leaking in a couple of places and needs to be shut down for repairs. And the original story that we were following is this was going to happen in 2022 um, because of sort of delays to projects in the city, as well as 
um, the potential for drought conditions that got pushed back to 2023. Um, so the shutdown is now going to occur as planned um, October 1, 2023. Um, and something we learned about that after the shutdown, um, Jennifer Garigliano, one of the people um, behind this um, uh, project or sort of responsible for shepherding this project through, um, appeared before the Upper Delaware Council and talked a little bit more about the shutdown and said that the Department of Environmental Protection in New York City had a three-year window for this project. It could be 2022, 2023, and 2024. So this initial shutdown getting delayed doesn't push the project outside of that window. They still have two more years to sort of start the project and keep it within its original time frame. But if it gets pushed back sort of any further, that could potentially be a problem. Um, so that was one of the stories we were following and we'll be following into 2023. And the other one, which sort of happened more recently, is uh, the fracking one. Um, the Delaware River Basin Commission banned fracking in the Delaware River Basin in 2021, but it hadn't quite uh, solidified all of the regulations around fracking. Um, and it did so, I believe, just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and there were a couple of things in there that um, advocates for fracking sort of appreciated. There were uh, some uh, specifics to the rules that, like the prohibiting of the discharge of fracking wastewater to the waters or the land of the Delaware River Basin, that were nice. And there were other parts of them where advocates thought they didn't quite go far enough. So, but as far as I know, that story is kind of closed and um, barring additional court cases, uh, the sort of debates over fracking in the Delaware River Basin are settled for a little bit. Okay. And then finally, crossing over the river right on into Northeast Pennsylvania, what was the year that was in NEPA? Yeah. Um, one of the major stories we were following in Wayne County throughout the year was uh, the Wayne County reassessment. Um, just really quick, the Wayne County um, had not uh, updated its assessment of properties since 2004. Um, and properties values have changed a little bit since uh, 2004, uh, one might say. Uh, so they ended up concluding their reassessment later this or earlier this year, um, according to one of their press releases, the overall value of land for taxation increased from more than $5 billion under the previous values established to more than $9 billion for 2023. So on the whole, property values in Wayne County had increased by four, around $4 million between or $4 billion, sorry, from 20, 2004 to 2023. Um, that's not going to immediately have an impact on the sort of taxes that get raised. I believe it's a statewide rule that you can't immediately raise taxes the year after a 
um, after a reassessment. Um, so they, the Wayne County commissioners and Wayne County itself uh, reduced the millage rate um, from uh, 5.23 mills to 3.49 mills to make sure they stayed revenue neutral before and after the reassessment. So they reduced the amount per uh, the amount of mills that they were taking on this increased amount of property value so that they would still have the same tax revenue. But it does open up more room for conversations about taxes in the future. Um, something we were following in Honesdale is Honesdale Borough didn't raise taxes either, but it mentioned, the councillors mentioned as they were talking about that budget, that they were sort of trending downward in the amount of operating funds they had and would potentially need to increase taxes in 2024. So now the, that bureau has this new assessment rate with higher property values to play with um, as it goes about trying to balance its books for the years ahead. Okay, well, Liam, we're going to have to get going, but I want to thank you for this look back at 2022. And again, like you say, some of these stories are going to be following in the new year as well. And I also want to thank you so much for you know all the work that you've done keeping us in touch and uh, with everything that's going on in the area. Thank you so much for your reporting. Thank you so much for having me on and for all you do to inform people about <laughs> what's going on in this wonderful area. All right. Well, happy new year. Hope you have a, a good holiday weekend uh, coming up and I'll talk to you in the new year. Yeah. Take care. And that was our yearly news roundup with the River Reporter this time around. Stay tuned. When we come back, we're going to do the year that was in jobs and the economy. It's Work Shift Live. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Local Edition, winner of two Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. It's been a big year for Radio Catskill. A new building, new studios, new voices on air, and new partnerships in the community. Be a part of the future we're building here. Do your part to keep local public radio here in the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. Make your year-end donation at WJFFradio.org. Right now on the local edition, it's time for the latest on jobs and the economy around the country, around our listening area. For that, we turn to James B. Huntington for another edition of Work Shift Live. Hello, James. Good evening, Jason. Good evening, listeners. What I was struggling to say there, this is this is a year end. This is the last Work Shift Live of 2022, James. Yes, absolutely. And we have had a bundle of news this year and a lot of things have happened and i'm here to cram a summary of that into you for 15 minutes well i know you're always looking at uh, employment numbers we kind of do it from report to report when you can what happened in 2022 what's the story of employment this past year okay over the past year 
the unadjusted unemployment rate dropped from 3.9 to 3.4 percent. Actually, that's November to November, the most recent data we have right now. Total number of people unemployed went from 6.9 million to 6.0 million. The people long-term unemployed or out for 27 weeks or longer went way down. Average hourly wages went up 5.8%. That's a little less than inflation, but it is still substantial. Overall, the most stunning number of the year maybe was the net new non-farm payroll positions. We gained 4.6 million new jobs over this 12-month period, and that's a lot, folks. Our population our total population increase wasn't even that much. So this was a very good year for the employment statistics. How about uh, employment locally? I know sometimes you look at those numbers. Yes, this is between October and October 2021 and 2022. Sullivan County improved 1.3% from 3.7% unemployment to 2.4. Orange County did exactly the same thing. Ulster County down 1.3% also. Wayne County was down 1.6%. And Pike County also actually 1.7% from 6.2% down to 4.5%. By comparisons here, the national figures dropped only nine-tenths of a percent. So we are doing substantially better as our listening area in a whole compared with the national rates. So people, whoever is responsible for putting together a good climate for jobs around here has had a banner year, and we have benefited from it. What are some of the, the indicators saying for the past year? This is from around Christmas, dates around Christmas from 2021 and 2022. Okay, gold dropped $7.50. Silver went the other way, up 86 cents. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was the laggard, was the dog of the group, of course. It lost 31.34, that's 8.6% down this year. It was lower points, but it has come back somewhat. It is still down, of course, significantly. Bitcoin shed about a third of its value, down 7,700. British pound dropped from 136 to 120.7. That's over 15 cents a piece. I just want to pause on that there because when you talk about where the British pound is, like I remember when it was about buck fifty, um, and now we're down to like the dollar twenties in terms of the value of the pound. Does is any of that a direct result of the shakeups that they've had in making the Brexit decision and then having difficulties following through on that decision? Yes, it does, and to some of their other economic uncertainties and problems here and there. They've had a lot of issues over there, and it, the currency has responded. It was as low at one point as about a dollar seven, and we were wondering even if the pound was going to get down to about where the euro is and other currency is. So they've had a lot of problems over there, and that's really what's being reflected here.
Okay. And then also uh, in, in 2021, there were some major developments in terms of uh, unions, and then that really impacted what's been going on in 2022. So um, uh, how much exactly did unions come back in 2022? This was a big, big year for unions. They sort of got out of the doghouse, the doldrums. They'd have been in a long time where they were depending on government positions, which really aren't in the spirit of union-negotiated ones because there's nobody on the government side who's pushing as hard to cut costs as there are in private businesses. But we have four noteworthy statistics for 2022 for unions. First, they won more elections, allowing them to be established this year than they have in 20 years. There were 641 of them. Number two, they're winning about three-quarters of their elections. The trend is up, choppy, varying, some ups and downs, but generally quite a bit. So 76% of efforts to unionize are being successful when they are approved or disapproved by the workers. Number three, three times as many U.S. workers went on strike this year as opposed to last year, January through June. That's the data. Of course, we don't know about the rest of the year, but 78,000 U.S. workers went on strike in the first half of this year compared with 26,500 last year. And number four, public relations, the share of Americans who approve of unions is at its highest level since 1965. That's 57 years. Right now, almost 70% of Americans think unions are a good thing, and we really haven't had that kind of thing going on since the post-war years when unions often saved the lives of workers in heavy industrial situations. Wow. So unions, this has been a, a tremendous year for unions, whether it will continue or level off or the trend will improve further next year, we don't know. Well, I know who I'll be asking to keep an eye on it <laughs> uh, thank you. in the thank new year. <laughs> um, but other stories that we followed all through this year and a lot of last year, um, it's the, the, this, what's becoming an endless struggle between working at home versus working in person, especially for office workers. How do you sum up the year in that big story? Well, we thrashed around. We didn't go anywhere. We had ex exploration by companies and such. We had experimenting. We had a wide variety of views, all the way from some people touting the advantages of working from home as if it had never been considered before. And we had businesses insisting that everybody come back to the office or give up their jobs. So we have it's much the same as it was in the beginning of the year. We have no norm or standard. We don't even have any standards within industries. You can say that the good your chances are good if you work in, say, telecommunications, that if other companies are letting people work at home, you probably will be too. But that doesn't hold at all. That holds only partially. So it's really way up in the air. we I expect some settlement 
some movement toward these two poles of the pendulum that we've been seeing all these decades, where we have people allowed more consistently, more often to work from home or asked to come in to the office or maybe most likely sort of a cubicle job and industry by industry acceptance that people can have hybrid work settings with a specific number, probably one or two days at home and the rest in the office. So look for more settling here, but we sure didn't get it this year. Okay, and another story that we've been following right along has been, uh, you know, the issue of uh, uh, artificial intelligence and robots in the workplace. So let's do the last robot watch of 2022. As I ask you, James B. Huntington, uh, how far did artificial intelligence and robots come in the past year, and how far did they not come? Well, I'm basing what I have here mostly on an article in The Economist called The New Age of AI. They talk about what happened. It really matched up with how I've seen it, and that's no great, huge efforts that are fundamentally changing, but there's a whole raft of individual and incremental and small ones. More and more businesses are getting them. We saw a lot of things in the fast food industry. They're not established to the point where you can expect a robot to make your french fries, but we're heading toward that, and there's a lot of places where that is exactly the case. What we have here are a lot of AI implementations in the technology sector and we have people getting what's being called a virtual assistant people who are cubicle workers and such are able to use software to write messages oftentimes do basic computer programming for them and even write text of different kinds and a bunch of things here. There's, they're developing. They're getting to be more and more. This wasn't the year in which everybody lost their jobs or anything gigantic happened, but it was. <laughs> there, there, there were a lot of constructive changes here. So it is moving along and expect it to move along some more. As we approach the new year, that's why we're reminded that we are moving into the future every day. So we're going to keep an eye on the robots with Robot Watch here on WorkShift Live. James, you're going to have to go real quick. But before we do, I know there's one other story that we talked about an awful lot. And I want to give you one more time to check in on that. What did not happen this year, even though people still keep talking about it a lot? Well, there was, to me, sort of a bewildering and annoying and disturbing constant tendency of commentators to talk about when we were going into when we would be going into a recession it did not happen we're not even close to a recession right now it would be bizarre for anyone to claim that we are with the employment numbers that have started off here but it's there may be something next year but we don't know i mean we're we can never say, we've never been able to say that certainly there will not be a recession next year. We can't say that now, but we really aren't moving toward that at all. 
We also have inflation dropping. Expect something like 5% or less by the end of next year. There may be a slight weakening of the job market, but it's so super strong. I mean, come on now, 2.2% unemployment? I don't know if that's even sustainable. Yeah. So it may get a little weaker, but we're there's no reason at all to think we are heading for a recession. Well, for the last time in 2022, it's been the latest on jobs and the economy right here on WorkShift Live with James B. Huntington. Thank you so much, James, and have a happy new year. Thank you, Jason. You too. And the same to all you listeners. Thanks to James B. Huntington for WorkShift Live. Thanks to Leah Mayo for the River Reporter's News Roundup. Thank you for listening to this look back at the year that was on a Wednesday. We continue looking back all this week on the local edition. Tomorrow, Patricio Robayo looks back at the past year in terms of health care stories and health issues, especially COVID. So that'll be tomorrow evening at 6.30 on the local edition. And then join us Friday for a special hour-long edition of the local edition as Patricio Robayo and I look back at some of our favorite stories that we covered in the past year on New Year's Eve Eve, starting after the headlines at 6 o'clock on Friday. I've been your host, Jason Dole. Stay tuned. Let's Talk Vets is coming right up. Thank you so much for listening. Support for Radio Catskill comes from Jeffersonville Bake Shop. Offering breakfast and lunch, to go or to stay. And coffee, Wi-Fi, and space for getting work done remotely. JeffersonvilleBakeShop.com From The Schwangunk Journal, serving the towns of Warwasing, Crawford, Mamakating, Rochester, Schwangunk, and everything in between. SchwangunkJournal.com And from listeners like you. WJFF Jeffersonville, W233AH Monticello. Radio Catskill. On air, online, on your smartphone, and on your smart speaker. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Radio Catskill. WJFF.